You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Awesome. All right, guys, good morning. Um, it's good to be here this morning. It's funny, uh, I don't preach very often, so when I, when I do have the chance, I really try and make every opportunity to just reach as many people and say as many things as I can. Righteously, of course, but as much as I can, because I don't know if I'll be up here again. And it's cool that, um, uh, it's cool that today's Valentine's Day, right? Yeah? I actually celebrated Valentine's Day on Friday with my girlfriend. Uh, we had a dance up in Santa Cruz, so we went, and it was a great time. And uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be in the West Side. And guys, I'm in grad school. And grad school is hard. It's a lot of time. Who's in grad school here? Raise your hand if you're in grad school. Guys, give them a round of applause. They don't get enough love for what they do. They do not, we, sorry, we do not get enough love for what we do. And, and, it's, and it's funny because I'm graduating in June, and I have to start thinking about future jobs. And I had my first job interview the other day. So it wasn't that big of a deal for me, but after the interview, I talked to my parents, and that's when it became a big deal. They're like, how much are they going to offer you? And then they sat down with me and calculated how much it would cost to live in Los Angeles for food, water, electricity, how much it would cost for entertainment, every single thing. And at the end of it, they're like, that's not enough. You can't take that job. (laughs) But But I think going through that process really shows how much they care about me, how much they love me, because they want the best for me. And today is, uh-oh, i got to turn this on. And obviously today is Valentine's Day, right? And I think that for some of us, this is awesome, but for a lot of us, this is probably not that cool, right? Uh, because sometimes uh, we look at Valentine's Day and think that we need another person. We need someone to connect with. And that's what it's kind of known for, right? Having another person to connect with and love and, and girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband. Uh, and you know what? You don't necessarily need that. You've got Netflix. And I know a lot of us are like, a lot of us guys, it's a lot cheaper than having a girlfriend. I think it's $5.99 a month. And you can do this in the, the, the secrecy of your own room. <laughs> Watch your TV shows and your movies, and I saw this and I thought it was pretty funny. But Valentine's Day can be kind of a touchy subject for some of us. And as we talk about love today, I want us to shift our focus of thinking of love as having to necessarily be about someone else or about connecting with another person because there's someone much more powerful than any human on this world. And that's the person that we want to connect with. That's the person that we can always go to for a relationship, and uh, I, this is a quiet time, so when I was asked to do this lesson, I had quiet times, and I, I looked up the word love in the Bible to try to figure out what to speak about, and um, so I start off in Genesis, and uh, this was the first scripture I read, uh, now Laban had two daughters, the name of the older one was Leah, and the name of the younger one was Rachel, Leah had weak eyes. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years 
in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. And I remember reading this when I was younger, but when I read it again, I just started thinking, man, that's kind of a superficial reason to work seven years, right? Just because of how they look on the outside. And it's funny because I never noticed the Leah part. Leah had weak eyes. What does that mean? Like, was she cross-eyed? Was she just tired? Was she... I never really got that, but that, that, that's beside the point. Jacob had a very superficial reason for working seven years for someone who had a lovely figure. Someone who was beautiful, and I thought that was interesting. And then, you know, some other stuff happened. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I read this later. Basically, Jacob ended up marrying both of them. I'm not going to explain why. You can read it yourself. But here it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved... He enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to, I can't even read it, to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. And I just started thinking, is this where the myth that a child solves everything comes from? If I have a kid and my relationship with my husband isn't going well, Will things get better? And I just started thinking, man, this is some funny stuff. So what I did is I stopped looking up the word love. And I just thought about how I've been feeling loved by God lately. And it's been through prayer. It's been through prayer. And the title of my sermon this morning is Righteous Prayer. It's funny because I put righteous before uh, prayer because I wanted to really focus on why we pray. Because sometimes we can just say things and utter things and speak, but are we actually praying or are we just saying things and hoping that God will listen? We need to know if God will listen. And here's the quick agenda for today. Bring us back to school a little bit. First, we're going to start by talking, my main point, my primary point, is going to be focused on God's response to prayer. How does God respond to prayer? Secondly, we're going to be talking about praying for others. And that's a secondary point, but it's still very important. And then at the end, I'll give you guys some action steps. How does that sound? Are you guys okay with that? I know it's Valentine's Day, we got our plans, but let's hold on here for the next 25 minutes, and I think it'll be good. All right. Yesterday morning, the teens... Uh, went up to the scenic overlook, Baldwin Hills overlook, and we went for a prayer devotional. And it was cool to do this because when I was in the teen ministry, uh, I know we prayed a lot, but I don't remember praying a lot. Does that make sense? And I want, I want the teens to start kind of uh, understanding prayer, getting into it, and doing it, practicing it. And it was fun because we spent a lot of time just hanging out, talking, praying and kind of connecting with God, and I had the opportunity to pray with Tim Shaw, and he's the, the guy closing his eyes on the far left. So at the end of the prayer time, we got up together, we circled, we took a picture, and um, Tim and I spent a lot of time just talking, a lot of time talking, and I love talking to Tim because he is a smart kid, and he has a lot of interesting thoughts, and he asked a lot of Good questions. He's a man of few words, but when he speaks, I listen because I'm like, this guy has something to say. And basically, we're supposed to spend 30 minutes praying. We end up spending two minutes praying. And 
in those two minutes, I really got to see kind of his heart after talking for so long. But it's funny because when we took this picture, um, I think he was so inspired that he was praying during the picture with his eyes closed. <laughs> so I appreciate that for Tim. I love him a lot. And, uh, and there's Kenzie in the middle. I had to include him. I don't know what, what he's doing. There's Tim again. Um, oh, yeah, this is funny, too. <laughs> there's Talia on the left. I think she's really happy in the picture. I don't know why. And Kara looks like she's looking at a squirrel. Or, I don't know, maybe a fox or something. So I just included that because I noticed it. Um, let's turn over to Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. Let's turn our Bibles there. So growing up, when I grew up in the teens, I felt very loose about prayer. I felt very loose about prayer. Like, if I didn't want to read my Bible, I can just pray. Why not just say some stuff? Like, if I was feeling lazy, it's more comfortable for me just to go in my room and just close my eyes and just talk and say stuff and maybe God will listen. So I've been reading scriptures and trying to see if there's a different side of prayer that I've been missing. And as I've been reading, I've noticed that prayer is a lot more serious and there's, it's much more deeper than I had originally thought it was. A lot deeper. In Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2, it reads, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. So when I read the scriptures, when I read the scriptures, I, I saw a very important side to prayer. You don't just start opening your mouth and uttering things before a holy, holy, holy God. It's not just a backseat to reading your Bible. You're talking to someone who's really, really important. And uh, in, in um, conjunction with our theme, Jesus 2016, I want us to focus on how Jesus saw it. And that's how we're going to start, because Jesus took prayer very seriously. He would wake up early. He'd walk up mountains before the sun was even out to pray to his Father, to pray to your Father. Hebrews 5, verse 7, it reads, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Is God hearing your prayers? My first point. Just because you pray does not mean God will listen to you. Just because you pray does not mean God will listen to you. And let me clarify here, because I don't think God can't hear what you're saying. That's not what I'm trying to say. What does it mean to listen? To give attention with the ear, attend closely for the purpose of hearing. To pay attention, heed, and obey. Just because you pray does not mean God will listen to you. Let's turn over to Luke 18, verse 10. 
And we'll uh, see what Jesus, Jesus talks about. Here's a parable here that he, that he speaks of. And this will give us a little bit more direction. It reads, Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we have a picture here painted of two guys. They're both praying, right? They both go to a holy place to pray to God. But one guy doesn't realize who he's talking to. He doesn't fully understand who he's talking to. The other guy, the tax collector, knows. You know why he knows? Because when he approaches him, he can't even look up to heaven. Looks down. It's like, God, I know that's you. And I know who I am. I know my sin. And then he's, he prays a very simple prayer. God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. And God heard him. He heard him. He didn't just utter things. God, thank you for letting me do really well in this. And thank you that I'm so awesome. And God, thank you that... No, that wasn't his approach. Because he understood who he was talking to. And I think that the Pharisee, clearly this is a parable, the Pharisee just had a wrong picture of who God is, and he had a misrepresentation of how he was. And this is my dad. This is his attempt at taking a selfie. I think it's his first selfie ever. Um, It's a little crooked. The guys in the back have no idea that he's taking it. But when I go talk to my dad, I think about what I'm going to say before I say it. I don't just start saying things to my dad disrespectfully most of the time. I don't just start saying things to him like I don't care. I think about what I'm going to talk to my dad about. I think and I respect it because I know that he's my father and that he deserves respect from me. And I remember when I was younger, in the preteen years, I remember asking for an Xbox, the first one. (laughs) And I remember um, asking over and over and over and over again. When I ask my parents, it really means I'm asking my dad, because my mom's going to say, ask your dad. So I kept asking and asking and asking, and I didn't clean my room. 
I didn't do my laundry. And that's all they ever asked me to do, is clean your room, do your laundry. So when I was asking him for these Xbox, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. Or I was doing it, but I was only doing it because I wanted the Xbox, and they, there are times where I forgot to do it. So they knew that my heart wasn't in a good place when I asked for this Xbox. So for years, for years, I asked. And they did not listen to me. They didn't listen. He did not listen to me. Because he knew that my heart wasn't in a good place. Clean your room. Do your laundry. And maybe we'll get you an Xbox. Years. I kept neglecting my household responsibilities. So if I'm asking him for something great, something that could potentially help the strategic processes in my brain, develop me in my action planning, my development as my youth, and I'm not doing what he tells me to do, do you think he should give it to me? Why in the world should he listen to me when there's something much more important that I need to get done? And, uh, it's really funny because I love my dad, and now I can buy my own Xbox if I wanted to. But I don't even want that stuff anymore. I've seen how much I need to work on stuff much deeper in my life before God will answer and listen to me. Let's go to James 4, verse 1. It reads, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Didn't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with the wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And this is exactly what I did at that age, and... It's amazing what people will ask me to pray for them about. It's really amazing to me when people approach and ask me, Let me can, can you pray for me? And I remember this one brother a while back, he was Christian, um, and he was in a sexually immoral relationship with a non-Christian. Comes to me, and we talk, he gets open, and after a while, I'm like, so how are you doing? How, how are things going? He eventually tells me, I've been sleeping with this girl. And I've done it multiple times. And I haven't told anyone about it. I was the only one that he had told. And I remember thinking, man, that's a, that's a lot of responsibility for me. He's a, one of my good friends. Christian brother, and he had been sexually immoral for quite some time. Quite some time. So I remember telling him, you got to stop. Do you still want to be a disciple? He's like, yeah, you got to stop. You got to turn away from that. I followed up a few weeks later, and one of the most loving things you can do is follow up, honestly. How you doing? What's up? How are things going? And I followed up with him. And um, I asked him again, how are things going? And he said, I did it again. Slept with this girl again. And um, 
And that really hurt me, guys. I mean, lately I've had a lot of close friends who have made decisions to leave God. And it... And it takes a toll on me. Because you grow up with people your whole life. And you're there with them your whole life. And you push through. So when I hear things like this, it can be a little bit overwhelming. So I told him again, you've got to change. You've got to turn. You've got to repent. But at this time, he came with just a, a very different attitude. He came, and his perspective was, you know what, I do want to be a disciple. I do want to still follow God. But, you know, I really don't think I can change from this sin. I still want to do this sin. Um, this is really what I want. And I looked at him at that point, and I told him, imagine if I had a daughter, and you were sexually immoral with my daughter, and you came to me to ask for help, to ask for a favor, to ask me to to bless you? I'm not going to listen to that. That's how God has been feeling about every single prayer that you've prayed for the last six months. You're complaining about things not going well in your life. You're in sin. God's not going to listen to you. Repent. Turn away from unrighteousness and follow God. He's a loving, merciful, graceful God. But if you don't change, He's not going to listen to you. And guys, I don't like to say things like that to anyone. I don't like to be tough on people. That's not how I am. I like to joke around and have fun. That's awesome. <laughs> but there comes a time in my there comes a time in your life, there will come become a time in your life where you're going to have to take a stand. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna let it happen? Or are you gonna tell it straight up? So I told him that. Sadly, nothing really changed. But I think at that point he knew that in order for God to listen to you, you need to be reconciled. You need to strive for reconciliation. When there's things in your life that are not clean, that are unclean that you know about, and you don't do anything about it, you're not trying to change it, why should God listen to you? When I didn't clean my room, my dad didn't listen to me. When you don't clean up the sin in your life, and you know about it, why should God listen to you? That's unfair to ask of him to do something like that. And here are some questions here that I want you guys to reflect on for a bit. What mess do you need to clean up in your life? What mess do you need to clean up in your life? 
What sins have you been keeping private? I think this is probably the biggest, <laughs> the biggest trouble for most Christians. Is just hiding stuff. Just hiding stuff. I don't want anyone to know. I'm only going to tell this one person. Yes, you need to be careful with how you bring things up. But what are you keeping private in your life right now that no one else knows in this room? What sins have you not been cleaning up in your life? These are some good questions. If you're aware of your sin in your life and you're not doing anything about it, you're not being submissive to God. That is not reverent submission. The way that we read in Hebrews when Jesus was in reverent submission, that is a clear indicator that you're not being submissive to God. And you have an opportunity right now to make this change. Just because you pray does not mean God will listen to you. And I I read this scripture the other day and it really helped me. Um, Remember that I need to be evaluated. It's good to be evaluated. And it says here, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. And I think this is a scripture that can help us as we're trying to figure out what we're hiding, what we need to clean up. It's okay to have problems in your life. Just do something about it. And perhaps, just maybe, when you start working on that, God will listen to you. He'll start answering those prayers that you feel like have never been answered over and over again. Amen? All righty, let's close it out here. Point number two. This will be a really quick point. Praying for others shows your love for God. Praying for others shows your love for God. And uh, there was a period of time, it was October, late October through like early December, late November, where I was just not in a good place. Not in a good place emotionally. Uh, I was very, uh, what's the word, immature. Um, And I needed someone to tell me that or explain what happened. But I was feeling very discontent with my life. I was in grad school. I'm in grad school, and I'm trying to finish school, but I wasn't really enjoying school, and um, I was working on campus and doing other jobs, and I wasn't really enjoying my job. Honestly, the only thing that I enjoyed during that time period was being in the teen ministry. That was the only thing I enjoyed, and I think that helped me a lot. Um, Serving the teens was very helpful for me, but I was very discontent with life, and and I was trying to figure out why, like what was going on. And, and I think over time I've realized that I've let other people and the way they treated me dictate how I responded. So if someone treated me poorly, then I would respond poorly. Or if someone treated me really bad, then I would respond badly. And I, and I realized that my emotions were becoming very tied to how people treated me. And normally I wasn't like that, or normally I'm not like that, but for some reason, from that time period, it really hit home for me. And, and then I, I just wasn't praying for people during that time. I, I kind of put up walls, walls, some barriers, so I didn't have to connect with people, because I felt like 
they didn't deserve it. They're hurting me. Why should I pray for them? And I know it sounds really mature, but that's how I was. And, and Martin Chires, do you guys know Martin? He used to be here a little bit ago. Um, Martin Chires called me out and he said, Kenny, you are being immature. Just because other people are immature doesn't mean you need to respond that way. And he helped me a lot and he really pushed me through that time um, to really get out of that. And even Chris, Chris Mathis, I remember after a team demo, just venting to him, like just angry, so frustrated. And he was there just like, you know, Chris, like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Just kind of like nonchalantly hearing everything, but inside you know he's thinking a lot. And I just remember apologizing to Chris later, saying, Chris, I'm sorry, I should not have, I should not have done that. And, um, you know, he's a good friend of mine, so he can take it. But, you know, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so let's turn over to second, to First Samuel 12. First Samuel 12, verse 20. It reads, Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away, turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. And to give you just a little background here, the Israelites wanted a king. And Samuel was their prophet. So back in the day, there was no king, there were only prophets. And Samuel was the guy that they went to, and he had a direct connection to, to God. So eventually they said, I want a king, I want a king, I want a king. Samuel's like, God is your king, but whatever, we'll give you a king. And now he's here giving kind of a farewell speech. And he's kind of telling them that, you know what, you have your king, but that was very sinful of you. And then he says, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. So even though they treated him poorly, even though he did all this good stuff for them over the years, and they didn't want him anymore, they wanted a king, he still said, I'm going to pray for you guys. You know what? Not just I'm going to pray. As a matter of fact, it would be a sin against the Lord if I fail to pray for you. And it got me thinking, and I just realized that one of the most loving things that we can do is pray for people when they treat us horribly. When they don't treat us the way that we expect them to treat us. And I think that it shows your love for God because you're, you're kind of taking people out of the equation. You're saying, I know that that hurt, but I love you, so I'm going to be reconciled with him or with her. I'm going to pray for them, because I love you so, so much. It's a powerful thing to pray for others when you don't want to, when you don't feel like it's going to be good to do that. 
when it's not something that you're inspired to do. And um, I have some action steps for you guys. Uh, so this is the time to get out your pens, papers. Write this stuff down. There's three things I want you to do. Uh, I'd like for you to do. The first one is get open. Get open. I know, actually I don't know for sure, but I, if I had to guess in this room of all these people, I know, there's, I know some of you are keeping some secrets. I know there's some sin in your life that you're not telling anyone about. And the hardest thing to do is to be open about it. And I get it. I understand. But if we can just get open. James 5, verse 16. Confess your sins. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. To be righteous, you've got to get open. If you want your prayers to be listened to, you've got to stop doing the sin, turn away from that, so that you can become righteous. Find some other people who you think are righteous and have them pray for you to become righteous. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Number two. So lately I've been writing specific prayers down, specifically about different people in my life. So I have, you know, a, a handful of people that I've been praying for. And I've been writing very specific things down. Like I want God to please allow this to happen uh, on this time or this date or whatever. I made them very, very specific. And I think I did that because sometimes we wonder, if God, is God really listening to our prayers? And a lot of the times we pray general things like, God, help me in school. It's like, all right, well, there's a lot that goes on in school. But if we pray something specifically, then it will be very clear to us whether he's answered it or not. And maybe if he hasn't answered it, that could be an indicator, a sign to you that you need to be more patient, or there's something in your life that you're not dealing with, and you need to become righteous. Last thing, as we close out here, I want you to listen to this song. I know that I'm a huge fan of contemporary Christian music. I get made fun of it all the time. But uh, it doesn't matter because... It helps me connect with God. That's why I listen to it. And it keeps me away from other music that is appealing to me, but does not help me connect with God. So I want you to listen to this song, and I'm going to play a two-minute and 30-second clip of the beginning portion of it. It's kind of a long, kind of a long song. It's like seven minutes. So, uh, But listen to it, and it talks about just calling on God's name, and just, you know, it helps me connect when I'm not being inspired to pray, it kind of gives me a push to kind of get there. And I uh, hope it can help you. It may not help you. It's fine. But just try it out and see what happens. And I think it can be good. So, in closing, guys, I really love you all. I'm really grateful that it's Valentine's Day. I wore pink for that very reason. I don't normally wear pink. Um, but I do think that there's some secrets in this room that need to be exposed. I need to come into the light. Because I do firmly believe that if there's anything that we're having issues with the church, it can hinder us as a church. So if one of us, just one of us, isn't becoming open, isn't dealing with our sin, I think it can can affect what we want to do as a church where we want to go as a church. And we want to grow. We want to, we want to keep moving forward, right? We've gotten a long way, but I think the thing that might be keeping us from hitting that next level 
is us getting on our knees, praying to God to help us through this time. And for those who aren't being righteous from getting open with people and dealing with the sin head on, if we can do that, church, if we can be in reverent submission, if we can humble ourselves to God, I think we're going to be an amazing, amazing church. I think we're going to grow in not just size, but in maturity, in wisdom, in faith, and in love. I love you guys. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.